Good morning. It's hard to add to that. <laughs> Every time when I'm given a teaching assignment, my first thing is to sit down and say, what am I going to talk about? And this one, you look at this and what's there to do? What's there to talk about? So I go to Pastor Google and, uh, and uh, dig up some stuff, but it's always interesting. It's a, it's a privilege and an honor to come up here and speak, and it's actually a, a good challenge for me because it forces me to dig into stuff that I normally wouldn't dig into. And there's a lot of information in the Bible. Very, the depth is amazing, and uh, by, not, by being able to come up here and teach you, I get to experience that. Now, whether I convey that to you in a good way or not um, is yet to be determined. But uh, remember, you get what you pay for. I'm not on salary here at the church. So. But uh, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. So what's in a name? Whenever I think of a name, I think of my own name, Silk, which is a noun name. And if you have a noun name or a name that rhymes with a lot of stuff, you've probably gotten a lot of abuse uh, from your friends and your peers and your classmates. And a funny story was that when my mom and dad first met, the very first time they met, my dad introduced himself. His name was Dave Silk. And my mom looked at him like, is this guy being some kind of a smooth operator? <laughs> and she literally made him pull out his driver's license to show that that was his name. So if it wasn't for my mom challenging my dad, I wouldn't be here. Somebody else would be talking to you this morning. But uh, that's the story of uh, my mom and dad. Now, growing up, I had to deal with a nickname, Silky and Silks and Silkworm. And... So when I went away to college, I thought, okay, maybe that, that'll go away. Well, sort of, until 1983. When I, I went to Penn State, went into the nuclear engineering program, and they came out with a movie called Silkwood. And that was about a whistleblower in the nuclear business who was trying to throw the flag on bad things, and she ultimately gets killed in the end of the movie, I think. But, but so all my classmates called me Silkwood, so it just was... I couldn't get away from it. In the Hebrew culture, a name is very important because it's meant to reflect that individual's character or something about them. And there's many names of God in the Bible, and usually it's just written as Lord, but in the Hebrew there are many... Oh, I'm sorry, I forgot to... If you're like me and you have a, a trouble with your name... Uh, I have hope for you, because it says we're going to get a new name. And this is in Revelation. It says, uh, to him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give to him a white stone and a new name written on the stone, which no one knows but he who receives it. So if you have trouble with your name, you've got something to look forward to. We're all going to get a new name. But anyway, uh, back to the names of God is that... Uh, there's quite a few of them. I just want to go through a, a list of them here. Um, there's Elohim, which is the strong creator God, which is what the name means. Jehovah, Lord, Master, relational God. Adonai, Master over all. Elohim Kadesi, the God of my mercy. El Elyon, the, the most high God. El Emunya, the faithful God. El Hakbod, the God of glory. Elohim Kayum, the living God. Elohim Kadeshim, 
holy God. Elkanah, jealous God. Elrai, God sees me. El Shaddai, almighty God. And from what I could tell, there have been, there's over like 72 different names of God in the Bible. And the name, why, why is that important? Is because our, through his name we get to know him and know more about him. And the more we know about him, the better we can intelligently worship him. So what I want you to do is put a little note in your mind about worship. And we're going to come back to that. I'm going to come back to that a little bit later. Then I'm going to move on in, what does it mean to take God's name in vain? Well, the word vain, or one of the definitions of vain, is it's futile, ineffectual, unsuccessful, useless, empty of purpose or meaning. So to speak God's name in vain, and this is your first fill-in in your bulletin, to speak God's name in vain is an attempt to empty it of its true value or nature. It's an attempt to empty it of its true value or nature. And we do this by using his name in a casual or frivolous way. Um, for example, um, you may hear people say, oh my goodness, or oh my gosh, or if you're a person who likes to text a lot, you probably see that. And all of these are representations of the phrase, oh my God. And unless you're saying that as a prayer, you're actually really misusing God's name because those are substitutions for God's name. And there's probably others. And there's another one I remember growing up, and maybe this is just a Western Pennsylvania thing, but I used to hear people say Jiminy Cricket. You know, Jiminy Cricket's a Walt Disney character from Tinkerbell's little buddy. Well, I used to hear people say, Jiminy Cricket, what are you doing? And what they were really saying was, the initials JC, they were substituting that for Jesus Christ. So you may think you're being smart and getting around by not saying God's name or Jesus' name, but if you do anything like this, it's actually kind of a frivolous use of his name. So how else can we empty God's name? Well, there's a way, it's false swearing. In Leviticus it says, you shall not swear falsely by my name so as to profane the name of the Lord, of your God, I am the Lord. And swearing, we usually think of swearing as saying a, a bad word, but back that, the swearing is actually the taking of an oath or a vow. And so whenever they would take a, whenever they would swear, they would swear by the name of God. And that was not prohibited because in Deuteronomy, it says, you shall fear only the Lord your God, and you shall worship him and swear by his name. So it was okay to use God's name when you were swearing an oath. And in the Old Testament, you see if the phrase pop up several times. It's called, as the Lord lives. And whenever they said that, it was like bringing God's name into this, and it was like putting a stamp or a seal that meant that what I'm about to tell you is true, or my promise is true, and I'm going to fulfill what I just said. And we see this today in our culture is if you've ever gone to court and had to testify about telling the truth and you say, so help me God. And also some people when they're telling a story that seems absolutely, totally ridiculous, but it's true, they'll say, I swear to God. And that is acceptable, but what is unacceptable is we empty God's name when we say something when we know it's not true. So that's one way, uh, another way of, of uh, taking God's name in vain. 
And Jesus actually addressed this in the Sermon on the Mount. And he says, again, you have heard what the ancients were told. You shall not make false vows, but you shall fulfill your vows to the Lord. But I say to you, make no oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is the footstool of his feet, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you make an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. But let your statement be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything beyond these is of evil. In the short version of what Jesus was saying is very simple. Mean what you say and say what you mean. Speak the truth. There's no need to be dramatic and bring God's name into it. Just simply say the truth. And another way of emptying God's name is to uh, blaspheme or curse God. To blaspheme means to uh, speak irreverently about God and to curse, to express extreme anger or to denounce. And there's an account in Leviticus where a man blasphemed the name of God and he cursed. And they were two guys who were fighting and I don't know exactly what was going on, but the one blasphemed and cursed God. So they went to Moses and they said, hey, what do we do with this? And Moses went to the Lord, what do we do? And it says, moreover, the one who blasphemes the name of the Lord shall surely be put to death. All the congregation shall certainly stone him, the alien as well as the native. When he blasphemes the name of the Lord, he shall be put to death. And it's hard to imagine that simply speaking the name of God wrongly would bring about capital punishment. But that was the case. And there's another case in 1 Kings where somebody was wrongly accused or falsely accused of cursing God and they took him out and they stoned him. So evidently it was a practice that they did and they took it very seriously. So what I want to do now is uh, you're in for a treat. We have a video that shows you how they did it. And uh, don't be surprised if they talk with a, a funny accent. Mathias, son of Deuteronomy of Gath? Well, I say yes. 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 You have been found guilty by the elders of the town of uttering the name of our Lord. And so, as a blasphemer, you are to be stoned to death. Look, I've had a lovely supper, and all I said to my wife was, that piece of halibut was good enough for Jehovah. Blasphemy! He said it again. Did you hear him? Are there any women here today? Very well. By virtue of the authority, this did he mean. Oh, Leo, we haven't started yet. Come on. Who threw that? Who threw that stone? Come on. Sorry, I thought we started. Go to the back. Oh, dear. Always one, isn't there? Now, where were we? Look, I don't think it ought to be blasphemy. Just saying Jehovah. Are you making it worse for yourself? Making it worse? How could it be worse? Jehovah, Jehovah, Jehovah. I'm warning you, if you say Jehovah once more. Right, who threw that? Come on, who threw that? <laughs> 
Was it you? Yes. Right, we did say you over. <laughs> Careful, you don't want to get your theology from Monty Python. That scene's very funny, but it's also very sad. It's from the, the movie called The Life of Brian, and they categorize it as a satire. More accurately, it is just a mockery of Jesus and his followers. The movie or the scene portrays Christians as being nitpicky, judgmental, and bloodthirsty. The ringleader was actually hypocritical. I mean, the, you heard the gentleman who was going to be stoned. He said Jehovah in a way that didn't seem to be very blasphemous. His wife made him a good meal, and he said it's fit for Jehovah. And uh, they were going to stone him for that. And then, ironically, um, the ringleader there, the, the official, was hypocritical, and he said Jehovah in a matter-of-fact way, and he ends up being stoned. So, there's some hypocrisy there, and unfortunately, Christians have a bad reputation for being hypocritical. And that leads me to the next point. There's another way to empty God's name. The words in English, it says, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. The Hebrew word for take, nasah, I believe is how you pronounce it, it also means to carry or to bear. So if you substitute that in, it says, you shall not carry the name of the Lord your God in vain. Now, if we profess to be Christians, we are representatives of his. So we can defame God's name by how we live our lives. And that's another filling on your blank. We defame God by how we live our lives. So if we claim to be Christians, we need to be careful about what we say, what we do, and even about what we think. At the place of work, do you show up on time? Do you go home early? Do you take long lunches? Do you take things from the company's supply cabinet? Are you stabbing people in the back to get ahead? Or do you give credit where credit's due? Do you put in the extra mile? Do you take the blame whenever you've made a mistake? How about at home? Do you treat your spouse with respect? Or do you expect them to serve you? Do you treat your kids with honor and patience? Or are you demanding or condescending? Kids, do you treat your parents with respect? What about in school? Do you cheat? Do you help others cheat? Do you pick on the weakling in the class, the outcast? Or do you become a person of courage and come alongside and help that person and befriend them? 
How about the way we drive? I, I won't mention the escapades of a certain Uber driver, but um, there's a lot of crazy drivers out there, and it's real easy to act like them. Do we cut people off? Do we lay on the horn? Do we, are we obnoxious, or do we drive politely and let people turn in or make turns or whatever? Or is it all about us? How about the way we spend our time and our money? Um, I've said it before, and I'll probably say it again. The way you spend your time and your money speaks volumes about what is important to you. Are you investing in your kingdom or God's kingdom? Your checkbook and your calendar will reveal to you and whoever looks at it who or what you really worship. And our thoughts. Nobody can see our thoughts except God, but eventually our thoughts are on the inside and they come out but, and manifest themselves in actions. But is your heart full of envy, bitterness, hatred, lust? That's certainly not a way of reflecting God. So another fill-in in your blank is, is our conduct worthy of God's name? Is our conduct worthy of God's name? I mentioned worship earlier, and when I think about how we conduct our lives, I think of Romans 12.1. It says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Our lives should be one continuous act of worship to bring honor to God. And someone said that missions exist because worship doesn't. And what they were meaning by that was that if we, outside of Sunday morning, lived lives fully devoted to God, giving God credit, caring and bearing His name as we should, that that would be attracting people to Christ, and there would no longer be a need for missionaries. Unfortunately, we don't give God enough of the honor that He deserves in the way that we live our lives. And we tarnish His name when we don't live like Jesus or follow His teachings. As I said earlier, His names describe His greatness, and that's why we worship Him. But speaking of His name, I don't know if you've ever thought about the phrase, for example, why we say, you know, we call upon the name of the Lord as opposed to calling upon the Lord. And here's a couple of verses that maybe point this out. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. And bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. It's kind of like we're talking about God in the third person. You know, if I, if I think Tim's a great person, I wouldn't say great is the name of Tim. You would think I'm nuts. Or I appreciate Sam and his worship team's effort. I wouldn't say blessed be the name of Sam. You guys would be carting me off to a funny farm somewhere. But... People who know and study the Bible a lot more than I do have realized that the phrase, the name of the Lord, is actually a call to worship. And let me uh, point out a couple. Back in Genesis, the first time this phrase appears, it says, Then men began to call upon the name of the Lord. So it's a communal call to worship. A few chapters later, it says in Genesis chapter 12, Abraham built an altar to the Lord, and he called upon the name of the Lord. 
And that was a situation where Abraham was going to sacrifice Isaac. And Isaac and Abraham worshipped the Lord. And it's where the first time in the Bible the word worship appears is in that passage. And even Jesus, in the Lord, what we call the Lord's prayers, he was teaching people to pray and to open your prayers with worship. He says, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. So what we see is the God's name is associated with worship. And another fill-in, I hope. My clicker's not working. I need to go ahead one slide, please. Hello? Yes, there it goes. His, his name gives us reason to worship, and his name is a call to worship. So that's a filling in your blank. God's name gives us a reason to worship, and his name is a call to worship. So when it comes to God, our response should be to worship him. So another way of violating the, the commandment is if we don't respond in worship to God's name, we're violating the third commandment. Again, another fill-in. If we don't respond in worship to God's name, we're violating the third commandment. But let's take a step back and look at the, the, the first commandments. The first one is, you shall have no other gods before me. What that's really saying is that God alone is worthy of our worship. We're to worship no one else. The second commandment is, you shall not make for yourself an idol. God does not want us to make, even with the best of intentions, to make any kind of symbol or idol to represent him because nothing made by human hands can fully represent him. So if we do make an idol, we're going to be creating or participating in or causing false worship to occur. The third command, which I just talked about, about taking the name of the Lord in vain, I mean, we can empty God's name by misusing his name, abusing it, uh, or failing to respond in worship. So those are the first three commandments. And the next one, the fourth one, I don't think I'm stealing Pastor Ben's thunder, is that remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And usually when you think of that commandment, you think of a day of rest. Well, if you look at all the, the passages that talk about the Sabbath, there's usually something else put in there, and it's really meant to be a day of reflection, a day of devotion, a day of thinking and worshiping God. So the first three commandments point us to God, and, and the fourth one is, is making it happen. So the first four commandments refer directly to worshiping God. So that should be a fill-in in your blank. The first four commandments refer directly to worshiping God. And the rest of the commandments largely deal with us interacting with each other. So what's the application out of this today? Putting it all together is by representing God's name well in all that you say, do, and think, it is an act of worship. By representing God's name well in all that you say, do, and think, it is an act of worship. Before I close, I have to give you a warning. I talked about the first part. It says, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And the second part is, for the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain.
Now, the ways we violate this commandment, just a quick recap, by using his name frivolously, by using his name in a false oath, by misrepresenting him and how we live, and by failing to respond to worship. If your life is characterized by these items, I'm not talking about just, you know, we're all going to make mistakes, and God is gracious, God is kind, he'll forgive us. But if, your life, if you have a lifestyle that is chronically violating and taking God's name in vain and emptying it of his meaning, then I would just challenge you to seriously take a look at your relationship with God. The chief end of man is to glorify or worship God and enjoy him forever. You know, maybe you take his name in vain because you're not a worshiper, uh, and you will not go unpunished. If you want nothing to do with God, he will certainly honor your wishes, and he will give you an eternity full of an absence of his presence and his goodness. It's your choice. It's your choice also to humbly come to him. Whoever does come to him, he will not reject. He wants you and me to place our trust fully in what Jesus did for us because he loves us. This Friday, we're going to commemorate the sacrificial death of Jesus. He died in our place to pay for our mistakes so that we don't have to. We can't pay for our mistakes, but either he pays for our mistakes or we do. Jesus offers us the free gift of inviting us into his family. It's ours for the taking. It's simply by faith. It's your choice. And if you choose to trust him, I think that you will see his name in a whole new light. Let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, 